Welcome to My Heart Songs podcast number 211, In Praise of Creativity in Modern Medicine, Part 2. For many years of my life, I've had dogs. I read once that they can detect the presence of just a teaspoon of sugar in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So now the science is in. Dogs trained to detect COVID-19 sniffed out infections with 83% sensitivity and 90% specificity in close to 4,000 screenings in 27 California schools. Our best friend companions actually detected those infected faster and with less waste than common in-home antigen testing. Previous studies had shown that dogs could detect samples that were positive. This was a first in that they detected presence of the virus directly in people. Got me wondering if dogs might be able to sniff out cancer with their 125 to 300 million nasal scent glands, as opposed to our mere 5 million. Uncle Google quickly responded, quote, Dogs have also detected ovarian cancer from blood samples and prostate cancer by sniffing a person's urine. In 2021, researchers reported that a dog trained to detect signs of breast cancer in urine was able to detect breast cancer with 100% accuracy among urine samples from 200 people. Close quote. So if your dog keeps obsessively sniffing, pawing, or staring at you, or tries to bite or lick skin lesions, schedule a checkup pronto. The University of Pennsylvania Veterinarian School has a working dog center, and medical detection dogs in the United Kingdom have ongoing research projects. The state of disarray in cancer cells seems to create a signature of volatile organic compounds. These odorants increase with disease growth and the resulting accumulation of dead cellular and tissue debris. MIT's Center for Bits and Atoms is working to develop ways that dogs can teach artificial intelligence technology to recognize the smell of prostate cancer. Imagine yourself at a party and responding to the common query of what do you do with that as an answer. In 2021, the World Health Organization approved the RTSS malaria vaccine for high-burden countries, most in Africa, which has 95% of the cases and 96% of the deaths. Although having an efficacy of only 40%, it was a step forward beyond distributing mosquito nets, attempts at vector control, and hoping for early treatment at far-flung rural clinics. The December 2022 World Malaria Report indicates that there were 619,000 deaths in 2021 and 247 million new cases. Although deaths from malaria caused by the plasmodium parasite and transmitted via Anopheles mosquitoes continue to fall since 2000, the disease burden remains unacceptably high, with the death of a child every minute worldwide. R21, the newer version of RTSS from Oxford University's Jenner Institute, has much higher efficacy. What makes it unique is that it targets the first form of the malaria parasite entering the human body, the plasmodium sporozoite. In addition, the vaccine contains an adjuvant which boosts the immune system triggering, encouraging a more powerful and longer-lasting response. There's a deal in the works with the Serum Institute of India to produce 200 million doses annually. 
since the ideal is to vaccinate as many people as possible simultaneously to really stop the human mosquito human transmission. It's critical to avoid the bottlenecks we saw with COVID, COVID vaccine availability. Finally, bird flu H5N1 has been of concern to many scientists for a long time. With minimal mutations, perhaps a sudden do-si-do of gene segments, this deadly flu virus could gain the ability to spread from human to human. The reality is that there is currently a panzoetic, a worldwide non-human pandemic among wild and domesticated birds, improving the chances for dramatic and devastating mutations to occur. Getting accurate counts is challenging since many wild birds, waterfowl, shorebirds, ravens, raptors, even parrots, may be dying in inaccessible or unnoticed places. HPAI, highly pathogenic avian influenza, used to just be an issue for domesticated chicks, primarily in factory farms where disease spread could be rapid and economically devastating. It was only in the last decades that wild birds began to also be infected. Imagine a pristine scene in Bali with ducks padding happily around rice paddies, unknowingly infecting migrating wild birds, or chickens sent live to market where humans are then unknowingly exposed to the virus. There are now 8 billion humans on the planet, but 33 billion chickens, a marvelous giant Petri dish for a nightmare evolution of avian flu. H5N1 has been found in every state in the U.S., and in the last year alone, tens of millions of birds have been culled in efforts to reduce the spread. A variety of mammals, including dogs, cats, foxes, and bears, have also been shown to be infected. COVID was good prep for the next pandemic, but have we learned the lessons required to avoid politicizing our responses? I remain grateful that at least some surveillance activities are ongoing so that when and if the avian flu virus mutates and becomes easily transmittable between us humans, we can spring into action to try and contain it. A recent report from the Harvard School of Public Health suggests that reduced forestation, better management of wildlife trade and hunting, and improved surveillance of zoonotic pathogens are the three most critical prevention strategies. The projected $20 billion implementation costs are not likely to materialize because preventive activities that don't bear immediate fruit are unlikely to be readily adopted. Outbreaks are inevitable, but pandemics are optional. We have the science smarts to stop the next one in its tracks. We just need the collective will. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.